Welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jets fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris, everybody. What's up, Keith? What's up, everybody? What's up, guys? Super Bowl week here in the house, so you know we got the whole team ready to rock and roll. You know them. You love them. Former Division One tight end legend Maris Fox, okay, up there putting the work in up in Maris. <laughs> the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookie, Nicholas Cronk. Nick, welcome. What's going on, everybody? And guys, this guy's out here pounding the pavement. He's got a wedding coming up. He's out out there coaching kids to strangle dudes on the mat, and he's the number one high school football coach in the nation today. Welcome, my cousin Sammy O'Hare, to the show. What's going on, everybody? Also, you've been riding with the Bengals longer than anyone, so we'll get to that in a moment. Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl. Sammy gets a lot of credit for rolling with them since day one here. Lot to get to with the Super Bowl matchup. What a fun week this has been. Not a lot of headlines from the teams. I haven't seen a lot of billboard, uh, locker room, like, board material. No one really talking smack, getting out of line. Makes the Super Bowl a little bit more boring. I wanted someone to slip up and just say they're going to put a... I want, I want Joe Burrow to say we're about to put a whooping on the Rams. That's what I wanted to hear, guys. Didn't get it, which is fine. Uh, we're going to get into our Super Bowl predictions in a moment, guys. We have a big-time interview. You probably saw this, guys, in the preview for the show. Now, last year, we had Denzel Mims. That was great. We did, we wanted to hit you guys with something for Super Bowl week. Something big. And Senor came through. We got an interview with Adam Gase, former disgrace head coach of the New York Jets, coming up as well. Before we get into all that, a few little news and notes here with the New York Jets. We're coming off the Senior Bowl, where I'm going to let Mike get into this, too, uh, because I think the Jets... At least perception-wise, Michael, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, the coaching staff, Robert Salah, our boy Ron Middleton, all these guys, they kind of came off better than the other sideline. Is that not is that not right, Mike? Yeah, that's some of the feedback that we was received from the Senior Bowl. Um, the Jets coaching staff did a tremendous job with a bunch of these young kids. I think that Robert Sala and um, the team have a good idea about these kids coming up here. On, from the senior bowl where you're talking about Trey McBride, whether you're talking about, you know, any of these talented defensive tackle, defensive linemen. I mean, the defensive linemen class here is really, really, really strong. So, and I know that I'm sure uh, Salah is going to be dipping in there um, because his defense is predicated off of a strong defensive line um, and then uh, the value pushing backwards. So I'm, I'm excited to know that it was received well, the Jets coaching. Um, and out of this senior bowl, there was some uh, rumors swirling around around the fact that there is some hype around this quarterback from Liberty. There is some hype about him 
And I am hearing and reading that the teams are inquiring on moving up, one of them being the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jets being a potential suitor. So to me, that 10 spot is sweet because you got Washington hanging around that area. You got Denver hanging around that area. And a lot of teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks around that spot are going to probably move up around that area to pick up some of these young kids. So um, if Joe Douglas is smart, we need to fill a lot of different holes and especially having the insight and visibility into this draft, into this class, the senior class, he's going to, I think, know who to target. So I thought it was a good week and uh, good for the Jets with uh, with their showing. I wanted to say, guys, that, you know, one of our coaches this week, one of our offensive coordinators, that was his first year last year, LaFleur, had a lot of nice things to say about Jet fans, about the Jet fan base, which you know they're going to do. He's a coach of the team. They're not going to go out and bash the fan base doesn't happen very often, but you also don't hear coaches or team or guys in this position maybe giving flowers out to the fans like he did. And I do think the Jets are an underrated fan base. I'm not saying we're necessarily the most objective people to be weighing in on that, but when you look at attendance every year, merchandise sales, um, the amount of podcasts that exist, the amount of media surrounding the Jets, a team that has not won anything since 1969, guys, hasn't been in the playoffs in 11 years, graded on a curve. I mean, Mike, don't you think the Jets, or maybe one of the more overlooked fan bases, maybe in the entire country, considering all the things I just mentioned. I mean, I think we have, and I think Nick will agree, the best chant out there of any team. <laughs> uh, straight up, straight up. And and then again, dude, you know, um, they represent New York, dude. I mean, there is no greater city in the country. And <laughs> we're New Yorkers, so... Uh, you know, you say what you want with the New York Jets. And if we get to the playoffs, there is better representation for the NFL more than any other team out there, okay? And God forbid you take us to the Super Bowl, we're running the place. They were running the place. You already know. Nick would already know that Keith and Mike McGarris and Sammy would not be, we would be wherever the Super Bowl is. They know yeah. that. Oh. Like all the Jets, yeah, yeah. we would we'd already have a hotel posted. You know, I'm sure Senor would fly up from Los Huevos. It would be a good old time. So look, the Jet fan base is unique and it is uh, a beautiful thing. But I will say LaFleur had a really good interview. And I my thought from it was this, Keith and Sammy and Nick. I was like, you know, I really love what I see with the chemistry with this team. When he was talking about being with his brother, how his brother was older than him by seven years. He was always trying to catch up with him and how he, his brother, Matt LaFleur, was uh, working with Sala as GAs when they were younger. That just showed me like Sala looks at Mike LaFleur like a little brother. Like he's known him for years. You know what I'm saying? And like when the way he was talking about it, I'm like, yo, that's great, man. Like there's real connection there and real care. And I'm sure there's a lot of investment there. And I just, I was thinking about J Joe Douglas and everything that this franchise has been through. And I just, I'm like, you know what? I feel like we're finally at that place now where Joe Douglas is now gonna invest money and putting resources into this team. We have the foundation that was already laid. We have the coach that, that the players believe in. We've got an offensive coordinator, a young kid, 35 years old, who really has the world in front of him. Smart, has has a lot of that pedigree, like with his brothers and stuff in the game. So I, I felt good after that interview. Like he loved the Jet fans. It was, it was refreshing and I'm excited about 2022. What'd you think, Sammy? 
I really, I really thought it was great. And looking at his year in totality, I thought the amount of growth that he showed with Zach Wilson was what you really wanted to see, right? So you knew it was kind of going to be rocky from the start because it was his first time in this sort of role with a young quarterback with so much hype around that kid. And it started out really terribly for both of them. Um, and the second half of the season, it was almost, you know, tale of two cities, right? Like the first half was really just terrible. And the second half was really great. So if anything, that's what you want to see is progression trending upward as opposed to it starts out really good and then you're trending downward. Um, and I, I, of course, I love the shout out to the Jet Nation because, again, this is why I've been I've been saying all all the whole time the Bengals, man, because the Bengals are going to do it for the Jet. They, I heard uh, what's his name for Harambe today, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So they understand, they know what their city's about, like, and they're and they're doing it for the fans. And I feel like Jet Nation is way better than Cincinnati, by the way. But just for the record, I had to put that out in the universe, but. Um, you know, like I really appreciate what Lafleur had to do, what what Lafleur said about us, and the way he's gone about the whole season. Last apparently nowadays, you act as stupid as possible. You don't get the pub, right, guys? Gotta be white trash garbage people to apparently be recognized as a great fan base. I don't know what happened, but I do want to say this, man. If the Jets ever did win the Super Bowl, the parade in the city and the reaction of Jet fans down there, it would just be complete madness. I mean, there you might know, have to be two days. There might yeah. have to be two days for that parade. You guys ever have those moments in life where something was said to you that was just so terrible and you remember it because it just sunk you so depressingly? I was on the phone with Keith after that loss the Jets had with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just said, I can't believe this, everything. And Keith said, yo, it's over, son. And I'm like, what do you mean it's over? I was like, yo, we're coming back next year. We're going to be, he's like, no, son, it is over this is done and i said no 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 we're coming back and we got sanchez <laughs> my what Little i said to mike was, it's gonna be a decade son. yeah i was like mike tell me how many teams have gotten to the afc championship three times in a row it's a short list right basically to the buffalo Bills. so i mean i i and i always thought at that time at least we were winning in spite of mark sanchez i never thought he was a good player and ended up being what it was, guys. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully, I wish I was wrong on that one. But, <laughs> so oh. terrible, <laughs> Nick. I was so like, I, hear, I wouldn't I believe can hear it. You oh, I, can, I can believe it. He yeah. was so real with hear. me, though. He was like, Mike, we're done. It's over. And I'm like, No, it's <laughs> not. Keith, Don't for, say I mean, that. My whole life, you've always been just matter matter of fact about things. Like you're very honest and upfront. So if you say things like that, you always have to take it as, well, he yeah. means it. Mike was like, no, what are you talking about Sanchez next year? And I was like, bro, Sanchez stinks. Like we just had our, that was our two chances right there to get it. And that's the thing, like the, the situation that Cincinnati's in, and we're gonna get to the Super Bowl predictions, talk about that in a minute, guys. We wanna just get this Adam Gase interview in here first. But just speaking about the Bengals, when you look at the three games they won, that they had a bad, they might've been the Raiders anyway. I know Mike, the call did not have, Mike didn't think the call mattered anyway, but it was that crazy call in the Raider game, so it is what it is. Squeak one out versus the Titans 1916, and they squeak one out versus the Chiefs. They deserve to win all those games, but you look at it, they could have lost any of them. Any of the three games. So, would you say to yourself, just like the Jets those two years where we kept winning these close games in the playoffs, it doesn't happen a lot. You gotta seize the moment when you have your chance. Joe Burrow right now, 
needs to go talk to Dan Marino, who made him pro made a Super Bowl his second year, never got back his whole career, dude. So I mean, you gotta take advantage of it when you can. Hopefully the Bengals do that this year, man. I know people will be pulling for him. Um, let's get into this though, guys, because I know last year Super Bowl week we had a big time interview with Denzel Mims. This year we wanted to come out. We wanted to hit you guys with something as well. Didn't want to have Super Bowl show without one big interview on here. And, and of course, the person who tracked him down was one senior waivers in Los Huevos. He's a candidate for the head coaching position down there. Obviously, he's not going to get hired anywhere in the NFL, no matter how much you hear his name bandied about. Adam Gase, senior waivers, sit down for a little Super Bowl week chat. Here we go. Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of Los Huevos Nightly! The big week is here, my friends, with your host, none other than the owner, proprietor, creator, and emotional leader of Los Huevos Resort and Casino, me, Senior Waivers himself. We have a special guest here this week, a candidate for the head coaching job for the Los Huevos Football Club, a man Jet fans have not heard from in a really long time, disgraced former football coach, Adam Gase joins us today. Welcome, Adam. What's going on? So, Adam, as you know, media training is a big part of the head coaching gig. I want you to improve on that a little bit here in Los Huevos. Did not seem like it was very easy for you in New York. It seemed a little it's hard. It's not hard. This is not hard. Did you say not hard? <laughs> not hard, huh? Okay, let's roll the footage. How you responded to 97% of your questions in New York. I think we have a clip right here. Let's just roll that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to know exactly, kind of, you know, I felt like, and then it oh, was, God. yeah, I, I mean, what, what yeah, we, we just gotta, we gotta get, it, it's, what it's, yeah, I mean, I mean, um, is we, that even an answer? Um, what is this um, not saying um, I mean, it's, I don't even know, it's hard to make out what you're trying to really say, and you sound like a stammering fool, an absolute blabbering idiot every time you opened your mouth in New York, so. Sometimes you short circuit a little bit. Well, we all know how that is, Adam, I mean, uh, my wife makes me watch this show, This Is Us, every week. And I sound just like you after watching each episode, so I know how it is, my man. Try and just, just try and do a better job here in Los Huevos as the face of the franchise, okay? Well, you've been here for a few weeks. How do you feel like the family is adjusting here to the beach life in Los Huevos? I think my family's having a good time. Now I know my kids like the fact that they're so close to the beach and... That's great, man. That's great. But uh, can I be honest here with you, man? The jet ski accident. I don't know how your kids got a jet ski on the roof of the hotel. But you knocked out four air conditioning units, so... I don't care. Don't care, huh? Well, that seems to be par for the course with you. I'm not surprised, but let's just get the wife under control at least. We're already out of peppermint schnapps. She's cogging toilets left and right. Just just handle that for me. Okay, Adam, now I want to come at you with some hard-hitting questions here. This did not go that well with Joe Flacco. You know, never use Wikipedia for your sources. Digging into your past and finding out a little bit more about Adam Gase. Adam, question number one. You're regarded as one of the worst head coaches of all time. You've destroyed two franchises and many careers along the way. Have you ever considered branching out outside of sports? Maybe destroy a franchise in another field. Like maybe buy a Carl's Jr. and just put them out of business. Or maybe start selling Teslas and put an end to Elon Musk for all of us. No. Okay, well, if you ever do consider it, uh, Hollywood is already full of complete assholes. You'd fit right in. If you could hook up with Michael Bay, possibly, and just put an end to this Transformer franchise, you'd be doing a, a great service for all of humanity. Along the same lines, you're the self-proclaimed offensive genius, yet all the offenses you ran as a head coach were the worst in the league. So what you pretend to be good at, 
you're actually the absolute worst at. So my question, of course, for you is, when will you be running for political office? No, I, uh, we never... <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, but now let's get real. Let's get super real here. Is it true, Adam, you have not smiled since 1995? No. Well, Adam, toss on some of that New York Jet game film from 2020. It definitely made a lot of other coaches around the league smile. <laughs> Oh, that was a sick burn. Sick burn by me there. Adam, you're currently in consideration for the Patriots offensive coordinator job. Would you consider yourself the Pete Davidson of the NFL? Kind of, you know, I felt like, and then it was, yeah. You've never done a single role well on any team, but your career continues to grow. And no one can seem to understand it. All that stuff doesn't, it's irrelevant to me. To me, it's, I really don't care. Well, maybe irrelevant to you, but his ugly ass is on Us Weekly every other week, so apparently marginally talented, really ugly dudes are the wave of the future, Adam, so there's some, there's hope for you yet! Now let's talk about the elephant in the room here, uh, your introductory press conference in New York did not go that well, you looked like you were hopped up on mescaline and shrooms, and had to take a shit all at the same time. You know, you look like Hunter S. Thompson up there. It was not very good. Are you aware that you have now become the gold standard for complete disaster press conference performances? The only reason why I know is because I keep getting reminded about it. <laughs> well, well, it's hard to forget. I actually have a few of these memes and... Look right here, Adam. I have a few of these gifs saved for you. I'm gonna send you a few if that's okay. I don't want it. I'm gonna do it anyway, I think. There you go, and send. I'm gonna delete it right away, and I, there'll probably be an expletive coming back at Whoa! Excuse me! Excuse me, my friend, an expletive? An expletive in my direction? Is that what you said, you know? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm the last one you want to step to. People go missing all the time for talking shit. I'm not trying to fight anybody. Apologize. No. I demand an apology. No. Get over it. No? Okay. Okay. I don't like your tone, but as a professional, I'm going to move on here. Adam, let me ask you, if you're being 100% honest, what are your thoughts on a team that hires you as their offensive coordinator? Uh, I'd, feel, I'd feel sorry for whoever the quarterback was. See? See, exactly. Exactly. You already destroyed Sam Darnold, attempted to destroy Ryan Tannehill. How many more QBs need to become scrubs under you before teams realize your resume is complete trash outside of quote-unquote coaching Peyton Manning? I mean, let's be real. I'm happy we are on the same page here. Now, you managed to make fans absolutely miserable all of the years you spent as a head coach. Can you maybe name some of the other groups you target with this dark cloud when you take over a team? Ooh, coach, a player, groundskeeper, nutritionist, chef. Let's try and put a number on it. How many lives you want to ruin and destroy with your horrible coaching and piss poor attitude. If you had to put a number on it, how many are you shooting for? I don't know if there's a number. Might be infinity. Okay, okay, very impressive. I'm pretty sure there's somebody that you work with that's a Jets fan. Am I right by saying that? Yes, actually. My brother Hector is a huge Jets fan going all the way back to the Joe Namath days. He's out there slinging the pigskin every single day hoping to get noticed. He's 73 years old. His arm's not what it used to be. You know, his body, you know, at that age, it just, it doesn't recover as fast. Yeah, no shit, bro. There are literally tectonic plates with a faster 40 time than him. His balls hang so low at this point, he has to wear a jockstrap every day just to not trip himself up. Okay, so final question here. The big game is coming up this weekend. Bengals Rams. 
What do you guys have planned for Sunday? What are the gases gonna be doing on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, just gonna go through my normal day. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'll probably just do what I normally do. Wow. Exciting stuff. Uh, are you telling me you won't be doing anything for the Super Bowl this weekend, Adam? I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be something going on, but I probably won't be participating in it. Now that is just, that is just sad. And if there was any question before right now that you weren't the most miserable human being on Earth, you just cleared that up for everyone, so thank you very much. And once again, Adam, thank you for joining us. Alright, thanks, have a good one. That's it for this week on Los Huevos Nightly, signing off! Wishing all of you a happy weekend, happy Super Bowl Sunday, have fun, turn it up, but also be safe, be responsible, okay? Signing off, your friend, Senior Waivers. Wow! I mean, all I can say after hearing that interview is, wow, guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone really has ever gotten to the heart of who Adam Gase is as a person like the way Senor just did. Do you guys agree? I don't think anyone got to the heart of who Senor is as a person. That interview was incredible. Whoa, Unbelievable. those questions. I didn't, I mean, like Larry King. Larry King level. There you go. There yeah. you go. The, the Senor, there's Larry King. Senor, that side of Senor scared me. I've never seen him just get so real with somebody so yeah. quickly. Just and you gotta, you gotta hate. think, guys. Who are the people he welcomes there? Scrubs. 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 Oh, absolute. So right. when it comes to coaching, is there a higher level coaching scrub right now? There's not. Nice to hear from Gase. Nice to hear from Senor. It's Super Bowl time, guys. Super Bowl Fifty Six. The average resale price for a ticket. If you guys had to guess, if you had to wager a guess, your price is right battle here. Mike, if you had to wager what the average resale price is for a ticket for the Super Bowl right now, what would you say? Uh, I would say 4000 4700 40, Oh, he's going true prices right on you, Mike. Barely going above you to be Now, Nick, what do you, what do you, Nick should go a dollar, and then that's true prices, right? <laughs> Nick, what do you think, man, for the resale market, not the original face value, the resale market right now, for one individual Super Bowl ticket in 2022, what do you think? 6500 All right, now, Nick oh. is going to win by default, but you're all a little bit off. It's almost $10,000 right wow. now. Wow. That's the average ticket price, guys. So we're talking, that's the median. So we some people- have known it was in LA, man. We totally yeah. should have thought that, That's how much I would have to pay to get a ticket to see the Jets. Like I would have to pay see, 20 grand to take me and my yeah, dad. Take wifey, oh, or to take your dad, exactly, guys. Which is a fortune, guys. I'm gonna go through some numbers here that I read today, man. Some interesting numbers when it comes to the Super Bowl, guys. Then we'll break it down. 20% of Americans will be watching the game, so one-fifth of this entire country will be doing something at the same time. doesn't happen very often. About 96 million people will be tuned to the game total throughout the world. It's $6.5 million this year, guys, for a 30-second ad for the Super Bowl. The wow. highest it's ever been, of course. Um, $545 million in revenue is expected to be made by CBS just in the one day for having the Super Bowl. Think about that, guys. That's why they pay so much money for it. About 1.4 billion wings are going to get eaten this weekend, guys. 10, uh, 10 million pounds of ribs, 8 million pounds of guacamole, 50 million cases of beer. Now, 50 let me million cases. Let me ask you something. You're giving, giving me all these statistics, and I, and I love it. And I know a lot of times people talk about how the fact that soccer is much bigger of a sport than football. Okay? And I understand that, and it's true. Here's my question to all three of you. The fight, the war, if you want to use the World Cup, let's use the World Cup or 
the Premier League, if you will, the championship game, the final game in either of those forums, does it generate more revenue and more uh, um, like, you know, streaming, whatever, attendance, watching than the Super Bowl? I know the sport is bigger, but the, the pinnacle of the sport, the actual championship game, is that a bigger gener or a revenue generator than the Super Bowl itself? Yeah, I think the World Cup definitely is for a couple of reasons. One, that's a tournament that goes on for over a month and then you have the final where and, and involves the planet of Earth involved in one tournament. We don't have a lot of things. The Olympics, maybe the Tour de France and the World Cup or the type of events and then the Champions League to a degree also, even though that's just Europe. But those are events that involve the whole planet at once. So maybe there's not as many TVs in certain parts of the Earth as others, but every TV is going to be tuned into the World Cup final if they have one on the planet when that pops off. I mean, that, that's as big as it gets. When it comes to America and advertising revenue, I, I, I don't know World Cup compared to that or anything like that. I just know the World that's Cup is was, a lot yeah. longer. And the World Cup runs for so long, I would think it makes the most money. I remember reading once that the Tour de France actually makes the most, which I know what? sounds insane, but that goes on for over a month and it's televised every day. That's another worldwide thing. Wow. Actually, I, um, I Googled it up actually, where actually was the Tour de France guys, which is mind boggling. That's crazy. Then, then you have the summer <laughs> games, you have the winter games. But yeah. for an individual one day event, um, it's pretty much to me the World Cup final and then the Super Bowl. There's not as many yeah. things that can compare to it when you just take a step back and think about how many people will be watching this game at yeah. the same time, guys. And like the numbers we've been going through are just staggering. There's going to be over a billion dollars wagered on the one game. I mean, that's, that's that's just completely crazy, guys. They estimate in America 17 million people will miss work the day after the Super Bowl which will equate to about $4 billion in lost productivity. This is why I've been saying, make the day after exactly. the Super Bowl a holiday. What is the problem? Or, or guys, move the freaking Super Bowl to Saturday. Why yeah, can't I'm you sorry. just do that? I am sorry. I thought we lived in America. Make it a national holiday. Yeah, I say. <laughs> and I, though they, they all work. I mean, if it's a holiday on Monday, everyone can just chill and bask in the Super Bowl greatness if if you want to keep it on Sunday. But they have two weeks off, so you could put it on Saturday or Friday if you want. It doesn't make a difference. Yes. Um, Come on, man. Go through a few more numbers here, guys, and then we'll break the game down a little bit and get out of here. As we know, the fifth Super Bowl appearance for the Rams, they have one win. This is the third Super Bowl appearance for the Bengals. They have zero wins. Um, the second time a team will ever be playing a Super Bowl at home this year for the LA Rams. 14 meetings all time between these two teams. The Bengals actually have a lead 8-6 to six right now in the all-time battle. I'm going to throw a little pop quiz at you guys. There's a dozen NFL teams that have never won a Super Bowl. Do you think, between the three of you right now, you can guess them all? Yeah, I can tell you that it would be the Arizona Cardinals, the Detroit Lions, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals, it would be the um, <clears throat> Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills, the Jaguars, the Carolina Correct. Panthers, um, the Texans, right? Correct. Uh, and then you get into the San Diego Chargers. Yes. Never won. And then you get Correct, into sir. the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings that have never won. You have three and left. You get into um, uh, no, they won. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, one's a little tricky because uh, the gray area here. There's three left, guys. You just knocked them all out, guys. The last three on the board here: the Tennessee Titans, as Titans. we know, have never won a Super Bowl. The Atlanta Falcons. Falcons, yeah. And if you look, the Falcons have been around for a minute. 
never won a Super Bowl, and the Cleveland Browns. Oh, and the Browns. I think why the Browns get forgotten about is they won all those championships in the back of the old NFL. Yeah. But no Super Bowls for the Browns, guys. Mm-hmm. So and so 12 teams have never won it. The Bengals could change that this year, guys. That's why when we when we look back, now we, we won Super Bowl three. It's been a while, but at least we got a, a trophy. Yo, we are one and oh. Yeah, we're one, one and oh. It's been 33 years since the Bengals' last Super Bowl appearance. Let's get into it here now. We're going to go to Sammy first. You don't have to make your prediction necessarily. We're going to break some numbers down here. What I want to know is when it comes to the number one to me, and I mentioned this to Mike earlier, these teams, Sammy, are pretty evenly matched. If you look at the regular season stats offensively and defensively, they kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways. The one thing that stood out to me the most was the difference, though, in the play of the offensive line of the Bengals, which has been banged up all year. They haven't had one player play every game this whole season. Even in the playoffs, they're, they're doing some patchwork jobs here with the offensive line. And, conversely, the defensive line of the Rams here. Guys, I want to throw a stat at you. When it comes to pass block win percentage, the Bengals are 30th in the NFL. Not a good stat to have when you're an offensive line. That means you're blocking no one. When it comes to pass rush win percentage, that's the defensive side of the ball, breaking those blocks, the Rams are number one in the league. Not a good matchup on paper for the Bengals, but they've managed to make it work the last month here. Sammy, when it comes to your boy Cincinnati, are you worried that Burrow's not going to have time back there to get it going and that the pass rush and the defensive line of the Rams are going to be what kind of changes the the focus of this game for the Bengals and they're not going to be able to get their offensive going? Uh, I'm not worried at all. I take all of those stats, I put them neatly in the trash, and I close the trash because it's the Super Bowl. Like, those numbers mean nothing to the guys. Whoever's going to play, whatever patchwork I've done, this is the most important game you have ever played for pretty much that entire team because no one's been to the Super Bowl. So this is the most important game you've ever played in your entire life. I don't care who's back there, and they've shown it for a month. They've already done it. So that whole thing goes out the win- out the window. Those stats don't matter because it's the last game. It's the most important game. Like you said, your franchise has never won one of these games. And it's, and it's one of those teams that they're young. And I think that they'll rise to the occasion, especially, you know, I listen, you can't not game plan around Donald. Like you can't Donald's a, he's a monster. You have to, you have to put an extra running back in the backfield and, hope that he picks him up coming in through the middle. But other than that, you you trust the guys you got and you trust what they've been doing so far and you hope that they can push it through to the end here. Yeah, and you look at the Rams there, guys. They got Donald getting to the quarterback. They have Leonard Floyd this year at nine and a half sacks. He had 10 sacks last year. They have Von Miller. They have Jalen Ramsey, who you know is going to be on chase all day. So I know those stats might not matter because it's one game. And, you know, the Patriots showed you a few years ago. I mean, the Rams came into that game and everyone thought Donald and all these guys would rip the Patriots up and they did nothing. They had three points and their defense did nothing. So, I mean, sometimes those stats don't matter. I will say Joe uh, Joe Burrow, the first quarterback to ever be sacked 50 times to make the Super Bowl. Never happened before. So, like, to, to Sammy's point, I mean, this dude's been getting obliterated all year and they managed to figure it out. Um, the biggest game of the, the biggest game you can possibly be in, though, will increase the tension for everybody. So if Joe Burrow is a little tight when he gets out there, it's only a second year. And the, pass, and the pass rush is ferocious, Sammy. Okay, it's not. It's the one game I know for the Bengals. It's just one game, and their horrible offensive line could step up to the plate. But the same thing could happen for the Rams. 
on the defensive line, which is a much more talented group. All I will say is that, remember, Joe Burrow can do a wheelie on a unicycle, right? He He's the reason that Waldo's in hiding, okay? So I trust the man to get it done. Yeah, and you know, he's, he's <laughs> played great here in the playoffs, Joe Burrow. I mean, I should say not great, but he's played good enough to get the job done here. He's almost at 70% completion percentage. His QB rating's pretty good. Only has the four touchdowns, has two interceptions, but you look, he's averaging about 290 yards a game. Uh, Mixon has been decent. He's averaging about 50 yards a game. It's not like the Bengals have been really blowing anyone out here when you look at the scores, 26-19 with the Raiders, 19-16 with the Titans, and then 27-24 over the Chiefs. Um, guys, 50 targets in the playoffs have gone to Higgins and gone to Chase. Now, we, we know where they're going to go with the ball. What I'm wondering, and I want to ask you this, Mike, I mean, they almost seem to force-feed that ball to Chase. The kid is tremendous. He's only a rookie. He doesn't play like a rookie. He's going to have Jalen Ramsey on him all day. Now, Jalen Ramsey did not practice today, and he's questionable for the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm assuming Jalen Ramsey's, Jalen Ramsey's going to play, guys, last game of the year. But, Mike, if they're able to take Chase out of this game, where else are the Bengals going to go when it comes to offense? Because they haven't been able to run the ball well. Burrow's been pretty accurate. But if Ramsey does what he does and Chase isn't a big part of this game, do you see a way the Bengals can still come away with a W? I mean, anything is possible. I know their tight end is hurt for Cincinnati. Um, they have Mixon, who's a versatile player. Um, Burrow is pretty talented. And uh, there are there is Tyler Boyd. Uh, Dwayne O'Carr's favorite receiver. Um, but it's going to be challenging. Um, I think the Los Angeles Rams are a very talented team across the board. You just look at them. They've bet, they've gone in and just said, screw your draft picks. Give me great players. I'm just going to win. And uh, they are a formidable team. And I just uh, think it's going to be tough, especially if, you know, Ramsey's in there and they take away one chase yeah man this is gonna be a good one i think we we mentioned this last week and i want to throw this to the wookie the smoke cleared this year and matthew stafford has 4900 yards 41 touchdowns in the regular season um he tossed another six touchdowns here in the playoffs he's averaging about 300 yards a game before he was out of there there's a lot of criticism of stafford not being able to get that team over the hump and now you pull him out of there wook you put him on a good team with actual talent, and he's thriving. So when you when you look at that, it was a really just a situation of um, the Lions just stunk, and he got even when they won three or four or five games. Maybe that was because he got him there, or do you really just think um, it's a situation where the Rams are just so talented, it's really bringing the best out of Stafford here? Well, I think it's I think it's what you what you just said uh, more than anything because not that not that I don't think Stafford is a is a solid to above average quarterback whatsoever, but He's also had some mistakes this year as well during the regular season, some in the playoffs, you know, so he's got a much better team around him now and he's playing better than he did, I think, in Detroit to a slight degree. But Detroit having no talent around him, I think it just, you know, it just magnified everything for him there. So I don't know if it was completely just Detroit being, you know, dumpster juice city as far as a football team <laughs> and an organization forever. Um, but you would like to see next year and in the Super Bowl, the mistakes go down. Not that he throws a ton of interceptions, but stop making the same kind of interceptions. You know, you know, just get to that next step. But yeah. I think obviously being around the team that he's got now, uh, I think the good the good side is starting to get amplified. So 
Yeah, he had plenty of interceptions this year during the regular season. Here in the playoffs, he only has the one interception, has 900 yards passing in the three games. His QB rating is about 115. Cooper Cup helps that situation out, I mean. Uh, Sammy knows from his football team that he coaches that when you have a really dominant player on offense, you could always count on when you throw the ball up to. Sammy, can but I ask you Can I ask you a question, Sammy? Yeah. Is Cooper Cup a number one receiver? Yeah, absolutely. Of course he is. No. Just because he plays the slot, does that take him away from no. being a number one wide receiver? No. The, what makes you a number one wide receiver is that, like, you know when you're going into your week of planning that uh, whatever I do with this person is either going to be a distraction or a success. There is no in-between. There's no gray area. There's no doubt that whatever I do with this person is either going to distract somebody or be productive. There is no in-between. Absolutely. Cooper Cup does that. Now, and last question. Right now, today, would you say that Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver in the National Football League? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. It's a tough question, but it's something that you got to ponder. It's not that Tyreek Hill is absolutely 1,000% better or Adams is 1,000% better. It's a conversation as of right now yeah, that we I mean, could I just debate. Feel like, I don't know. I mean, you could okay. debate, but I just think okay. Devontae Adams has the track record to earn that number one spot. No, I, I'm glad I because you're a coach. You're someone that understands you're a subject matter expert in the game of football. And there are people out there that think Cooper Cup is not a number one receiver because he's a slot and he is uh, no, shouldn't even be in the conversation as the best receiver in the game. And I bring up the metrics, okay, and just show that he across the board was better than every receiver in the league. Every single receiver in the league and everything. Okay. Mike, to your point, what's most impressive is his yards after catch for such a yeah. small guy, right? Back everything, dude. It, you literally look at every category. He he. Bit. So I'm like, how could you not consider him one of the best? One, go listen to Cup explain, answer a question after a game, explaining a play that scored a touchdown, and listen to how he talks about where the blitzes were coming from, how they changed the blitz mid-play. He recognized it, knew that he had to do something at the top of his route or some other shit that he. He's he's on he's next level of next fucking level. wide receiver because it's up here, man. As, Guys, yeah. Was Jerry Rice a better receiver? Was Jerry Rice um, a more talented receiver than a guy like Calvin Johnson? Absolutely not. We know that. But who was the best receiver? It's Jerry Rice. Yeah, hands down. And it's yeah, not yeah. because of skill and everything. It's because of this. Yeah. And how you play the game. You see, and that's the part that people just. They get so stuck into people's skills and they're, oh, LeBron is so big and he could. Yeah, but he doesn't have it up here, man. It's not up here. Well, that's like, like when we got into our debate at the beginning of this year, Mike, about Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Basically what Sammy just said a moment ago and what you've been saying was my argument why I thought Elijah Moore was going to be our best receiver was that he's a player that's so versatile. I don't care if he's five foot ten or what his height is. I don't care if he lines up in the slot. You have to worry about him wherever he is on the field where teams aren't really doing that with Corey Davis, a guy like Corey Davis, you know. And I do that. I mean, Cooper Cup had, what, 140-something catches? He almost had 2,000 yards. He only had five or six games this year. He didn't score a touchdown. That's insane. He is, and you look in the playoffs, guys, he has 386 yards and four TDs in the playoffs. They've only played three games. So... <laughs> If you hear those stats, you know, he almost has 400 more yards in the playoffs 
add that on top of 2,000 yards in the regular season, and you don't think he's a number one, I don't know what to say to you. I don't really, I don't know how to connect with those type of people, Michael. I mean, some hey. people think they're, Mike, some people think the earth's flat, right? He's obviously a number one. And when it comes to another receiver on that team that I think has really helped them, which surprised Mike and I, because Mike knows, we basically had the same opinion about Odell Beckham, kind of where he was in his career with the Browns. The move here to the Rams obviously has revitalized his career. He had five touchdowns for them in eight games in the regular season, 236 yards for him and a touchdown here in the postseason. 23 targets, another guy who he's their second option. They throw the ball all day to cup. We know that. But as a second option on a team, Odell Beckham's not that bad, guys. And he, I don't know. Let me ask you guys. Are you surprised by this? Because I personally, and Mike knows this, I thought Beckham was done. Just his body language in Cleveland didn't seem like he was giving it his all. And maybe that had to do with the quarterback and the situation he was in. But I'll ask the Wook. You know, you're a Giants fan. We saw Beckham have his best years with you guys. He leaves, he goes to the Browns. Are you surprised by this kind of revitalization of his career here in L.A.? Or did you think this might be how it went once he got to a place that threw the ball this much and had a good quarterback? Um, no. <laughs> Odell. Get off the boat, Odell. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the early years with the Giants, I think we saw who the true Odell Beckham Jr. was before NFL got to him. Before his talent, immense talent, got to him, the success got to him. Yeah. Um, I think um, towards the end of the Giants' years, you started to see the frustration. Cleveland didn't go as, as he planned, obviously. Um, I think it'll go well for him. He'll be doing what he has to do as long as he's involved in the offense, uh, as far as any team that he goes to. But I think True. the Rams are a really great spot because of what Stafford can do, what that team can do the defense can do for the offense in in in, in that in that area too so um i think it's i think it's it, we we won't know until until it plays out but yeah as for now he's involved and he's going to be doing nothing but helping that team because he's super talented we all know that and guys we saw how that Bengals defense played in the second half versus the chiefs they played great they played well versus the titans also and they played well versus the raiders um a surprising team on defense there's similar similar stats between the rams and the Bengals when it comes to yards given up passing yards rushing yards etc the biggest disparity between the teams is the two offensive line groups here guys because offensive line for the rams is one of the better offensive lines in the nfl whitworth is probably he was maybe the best left tackle in the league and he's 40 years old i mean that guy is still a monster um, you have Brian Allen out there playing great. Havenstein's playing great. With the Bengals, Jonah Williams is maybe their best offensive lineman. Jonah Williams is not great. They've had a lot of patchwork guys this year. That does worry me going into the game. Special teams, I think, is fairly even. Also, guys, Matt Gay, blasting balls all regular season. Only missed two kicks, but he's missed two kicks here in the playoffs. Food for thought there. We know our boy McPherson has not missed one kick yet, which maybe the law of averages. Wookie knows I'm a big law of averages guy. So mm -hmm. if you have made every single kick so far in the playoffs, I don't want to say you're going Finkel, okay? I don't want to say that's going to happen to you. I don't want to say you're the next Scott Norwood. Yeah. It could be in the future because the Bengals are that team that I feel like misses the field goal at the end and loses. Not the this kid. Not this kid. I he, he did something two games ago, and I was like, yep, that dude's the man. Because he – so they were literally um, – I think it was – either overtime or it was right at the end of the game and they were put in field goal position and he goes over to Burrow and he's like, I guess we're going to the AFC championship. He just literally goes to him and says, I guess we're going to the AFC championship, goes out there and kicks the fucking field goal. Yo, that's what I'm, 
you some people just have it like bird larry bird as a rookie walks into the locker room and goes to all the veteran players this is rookie bird yo who's shooting for second like yo during the all-star the three-point competition who, how you got the balls to say something like that? You know what I mean? Well, like I even Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant as a rookie or as a second year, Michael Jordan was was teamed up against him. Dude just took the ball up like, I got him. Like, like it's cool, you know, because they have that inner confidence. Some people have it, some people don't. This McPherson dude, yo, he ain't missing anything. I'm not. He's not missing a thing. This kid is a real, the real deal. I know he's made three 50-yard field goals here in the playoffs. He's been absolute money. Swag. He's got yeah, swag, I mean, man. And that's what that's what I'm trying to tell you guys is that swag and that youthful swag. exuberance. It has it has a tendency to catch up with you at some point. Here true, true. Remember Keith? Remember Muhammad Ali? 21 years old, beat Cat the champion. What's my name? He said to him. Yeah. Yo, listen, put him out. that story back and that that you play that in your head. You're like, yo, this 21 year old kid is fighting the champion of the world, beating his ass, saying, "What's my name, dog? Stop." Yeah. I mean, Sonny, listen, you should have just called him Muhammad Ali. Maybe you wouldn't got your ass whipped as bad as you did. You called him Cassius Clay. You got whipped. a lot of guys. Total side note: a lot of guys took that route with Muhammad Ali. They wanted to call him Cassius to get under his skin. Didn't work out well for any of them because Muhammad Ali wasn't losing losing fights. Ali was pretty much done with his career at the end of his career. If you guys go look, yeah. Um, but guys, special team seems fairly even. I know you like McPherson. Gay is a great kicker too. Then when it comes to the coaching, this is the only other spot you really look at with the two teams where there's probably a disparity here. Sean McVay, as we know, was the youngest coach of all time. Was the youngest coach ever to make the playoffs. Youngest coach ever to make a Super Bowl. He's the youngest coach ever to now be in two Super Bowls. Kind of a wonder kid here of the NFL. And Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, was six and 25 before this year started he was a quarterback coach under sean mcveigh ironically enough guys so i thought he was going to be fired coming into this season he ended up lasting out and look where he is he's in the super bowl when it comes to coaching i think mcveigh has a little bit more experience here at a high level at least how much it matters in a one game i don't really know we've seen plenty of coaches blow it plenty of coaches make great calls we've seen Pete carroll get to the super bowl and lose his mind and throw the ball from the one yard line and give the patriots a super bowl hand it to him on a platter so, guys, whether you're a good coach or a bad coach, when it comes to Super Bowl, mistakes can still be made. Let's get to it now. The official predictions from ABG, and then we will sign off before this Super Bowl 56 weekend, guys. Wookie, let's start with you. You were riding with the Bengals last week. Um, riding with the Bengals in that game previously, I should say, to make it to the Super Bowl. Last week, I think you might have said you were with the Rams. I don't remember, Wookie. Let's get the final pick. From the Wookiee, you've had a week to think about it. Rams, Bengals, Super Bowl. Who do you have winning, Wook? Going Bengals. Give me Patchwork, give me Patchwork McGee and that offensive line and how they've been playing. I know that they're going to have Chase covered. I know that's going to be tough. But I know that it's going to be screens. And if we don't throw it to Chase all game, but other people are open, so be it. I think they're just going to go with the flow of that. I think there's obviously less pressure on them um, not being there for so long. Uh, not that the Rams have been there, you know, they're more of a pedigree at this point. Uh, so I think a lot of things besides being in L.A., which is going to be a kick in the you-know-what. Um, but I think that I think they've got what's going on. They, they got that moxie. They got that mojo this year for some reason. And um, I, I see it coming, coming down to a field goal. All right. I like it. I like a nice little tight Super Bowl there. Michael, 
Rams, Bengals. We chatted about it last week. I think you were leaning towards the Rams. You've had a week to think about it. Where do you fall? Nick, you guys are four and one in the Super Bowl, right? That one loss was to the Ravens, and you guys got annihilated, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I yeah, remember, okay. I remember yes. that. I remember that. And then I remember when the Patriots got annihilated a few times. They got annihilated against the Packers. They got annihilated against the Bears. A couple of Super Bowls that have been just annihilations. This will be an annihilation. The Rams will wipe the floor with the Bengals. I like this it. This will not even be close. They will get decimated. That's, that, we're going, going blood we're going Ned Beatty. Let's go on blood. It'll be, it'll be. All right, you know what? Just to, I don't want to have. I'll, I'll just go ahead with my pick because I do fall in line with Mike. I think the Bengals have had a nice run here. I feel like they could have lost every single game they played in the playoffs. Yeah. And the two of them, they should have lost. They didn't. They got the win. That's all that matters. I understand that. They showed a lot of moxie. Look, his at, team look is, at Sammy. Look at Sammy. Sammy's tight because we know what Sammy's going. And I do like that we have a 50-50 split here. But I don't only think that the Rams are going to win. Mike kind of stole my thunder. I think they're going to smash the Bengals. Because the Bengals lost to the Jets this year. It happened this year. I watched it happen in front of me. I watched the Jets figure out the Bengals. Right? Yep. The New York Jets. And people can go, it doesn't matter, middle of the year. I totally understand that, guys. Don't get me wrong. But this is not a team that's like a great team to me. It's a team that's been very fortunate and accurately predicted by Sammy. Don't get me wrong, the games. But, man, a lot of things have gone in their favor so far. And when you look at what the Rams can do with that defensive line. Now, like Wookie mentioned, the Bengals are probably more versatile in offense than the Rams are. Rams might put up more points, but I think the, the Bengals might have more weapons. They throw the ball to the running backs. They don't only do that uh, there in L.A. So maybe L.A.'s offense is a little easier to figure out what they're going to do. I just think it's a much better team. It's, it's a team that was put together to win the Super Bowl this year. That's right. The Rams. And that doesn't mean they will, but the Bengals were a team that wasn't that good last year or the year before. and just kind of burst it on the scene. So I'm the type of guy that has to see it a little longer to believe it. And I don't believe in Cincinnati. Let's get to Sammy. I think I, we know who you're rolling with. You've had some time to think about it. Uh, Ponder it, Samuel. I'm gonna, I'm Are you cutting. sticking with the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl? Of course I am. And there's a few <laughs> reasons why. All right, listen. Let's start with Sean McVay, the youngest coach to make it to the Super Bowl. He's also probably then the youngest coach to lose a Super Bowl as well, right? All right. So that's where I'm starting. I, I don't think you're giving the Bengals enough credit here. All right, so any coach worth his salt is going to understand that you've got a tremendous amount of pressure you're going to face with the line of scrimmage. So you have to fundamentally change like your approach. So instead of Joe Burrow looking downfield most of this game, I think you're going to see a lot of short, quick outs, a lot of checkdowns, and they're going to put their athletes in space and they have a lot of them and let those guys do what they do best, which is break one tackle and buster for 10 like break one tackle buster for another 10 because they have a really deep and talented roster offensively especially i think that defense has been underrated the whole entire postseason and we can say what we will about them streaking games by the chiefs arguably have one of the best offenses in the nfl one of and if not the most explosive offense in the entire football league probably that we've seen in a very long time and they beat them and they shut them down the entire second half of the game. That means that they went into that game, made adjustments and won that football game because the coaching staff won that football game. So if I'm that coaching staff, I'm going into this next week's game plan saying, we won last week's game. 
like we did this mentally we sat in halftime and we said we do these things and we're gonna beat come back and win against the chiefs so now you've had a whole couple weeks to prepare your 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 team is ready they believe in you as a staff and i think that that game I, I agree, if anything, with Wookie, that it might be a field goal, but I think the Bengals definitely come out on top of this game, and I think it's going to be way closer than most people expect. Sammy, Sammy, I want, you to, I, want, I want you to really think about something real quick. Just, just step back for a second. Matthew Stafford has been in the NFL for, what, uh, nine years now, 10 years or going on? Yeah, 22. Yeah, so no, he's been in about for 11 oh, years. Like 11-year veteran, and he has been, he's been waiting all this time, and he's always been a pretty decent quarterback. He went off this year. He's been waiting all this time to get to this moment, right? You have Odell Beckham Jr., veteran, who's been waiting for his chance to show the world that he is a superstar. You have Aaron Donald, who's been waiting to get back onto the scene to avenge his loss from the, the the last time when he didn't do a good job in the Super Bowl. You have Von Miller on the defensive line. You have Cooper Cup. You have a coach who co coached in the first Super Bowl and now is ready. You have an organization that sold its soul to get all of these superstar <laughs> players, okay, to and against a team that has never I mean, they won their first playoff game since 1991 this year before we could even text. Okay, there was never even a text saying that the Cincinnati Bengals won a the playoff game until this year. And you're telling me that on stage in front of the world, this novice young team led by a 25-year-old uh, quarterback uh, with a rookie wide receiver going up against the veteran presence, the talent, the leadership that McVay has brought to this team. You're telling me that your money is on the young ones and not this hungry, ta more talented, hey, more angry team? I'm so there's, sorry. Stafford's going to go out buck wild. He's been in Detroit for more than a decade. There is no one hungrier than a young kid trying to make a name for himself to be the first quarterback to win a Heisman National Championship and a Super Bowl and do it in three years and be this young 25-year-old kid. There's nothing hungrier than a young kid taking out a big dog and making a name for himself. So I think that that hunger also, Joe Mixon has been, I mean, you guys all know, you play fantasy football, you guys know football. Joe Mixon has been the top running back for years now. And he's finally getting some recognition because he's in, on a winning football team. But he's been killing it for much longer than just this year. Yeah, I think the Chiefs uh, were the best team left and the Bengals beat them. So I get that, but um man the chiefs i feel like they blew that game more than the Bengals won the game to me how i look at it and it did a win to win and the smoke clears who gives a shit right to be honest with you um however however you get there is how we get there if the jets squeaked a, a win versus any team I'm, I'm gonna be taking that win and be stoked about it but we, i will be interesting to see how this shakes out in the Super Bowl. should be a fun one Bengals and the rams we can debate all we want i don't mind either team I don't have any hate in my heart for these teams. I mean, it's kind of a cool story for Stafford and those guys if they win the Super Bowl. Not really Beckham. No one gives a shit about him, but the rest of the guys on that team. And it's an awesome story for Joe Burrow and these guys, too, because I think it gives a lot of teams that are in the similar situation to maybe the Jets the last couple of years. The Bengals were in that same spot. They were able to get to the Super Bowl so quick. Gives you some hope if you do things the right way. That's all we got for you this week. I hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl. If anyone does want to get at us, support us, or be involved in the AEBG world in any way, shape, or form, how could they do that? 
Well, you can reach us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, on behalf of the big sticky wookie Nicholas Cronk, and on behalf of the number one high school football coach in the nation today, my name is Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out.